For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Almost a summary statement of Paul's letter to the Gentile converts in Galatia, large part of what is now Turkey. He was writing to them about how they should understand their relationship with the Mosaic law. What does it mean to be free among people who have for centuries thought that right relationship with God comes about through obeying the law? And he says it's not license. Freedom doesn't mean license. I thought about saying let's all go away and think about drunkenness, envy, licentiousness, and so on. And I realize you probably know enough about that already, so we can just move on. He said it's not license. It's, it's about recognizing what is truly important. And he sort of lays out the basis for finding our way, discerning our way through tricky ethical decisions. Elsewhere in a letter to the Christians in Thessalonia, he, he said, test all things and hold fast to that which is good. Pretty good rule of thumb. And we know what is good by what are the fruits of the Spirit. We know that something is good when we see an increase of love and joy and peace. Uh, and it's an expression of the law of love. Love your neighbor as yourself, says St. Paul. Well, that's wonderful. All well and good. Quite a simple and useful rule of thumb, except that working through it is complex and tricky. It's actually not as tricky for me as I used to think it was in some of the large uh, social shifts, social issues that can seem so tricky when it appears that an increase of peace for one group is a lowering of peace and joy and love for another group. Uh, our brothers and sisters in England are bent out of shape, many of them at the moment, because of the dreadful and scary possibility that women might become bishops. Oh, horrors. Now, before we cast the first stone, <clears throat> let's remember that we've been there and start saying, well, how do we test all things and hold fast to that which is good? If, if the full expression of the ministries of women and the sharing of their gifts leads to love and joy and peace, as appears to me to be the case for so many, so much of the time, then what about those who say they're victimized or hurt or they're losing something important if others are to benefit? And what I do is I say, are they in any way, shape, or form having their capacity for love and joy and peace reduced by this magnificat type of change. The, the, the lowly shall be lifted up, and the rich will often feel as if they're losing something important. But are they, or are we, losing something that diminishes our capacity for love and joy and peace? Or is it something else that we need to somehow work through. Now, protest, good thing. Going after what we want in a free country, nothing wrong with that. But we could apply this very useful ethical rule of thumb. Test all things and hold fast to that which is good. Know what is good by an increase of the blessings of the Spirit. Peace, love, joy, kindness, humility, and so on. And, and what we often find among those who feel a sense of loss is dissension, and factions, and anger, and those sorts of manifestations. And we can discern. Even if we don't particularly like the direction things are going, we can discern what is godly, what is right, what is good. Useful 
rule of thumb. But even that is not quite the answer if we want that rule of thumb to become a new law. Because so many of our relationships and our attempts to love our neighbor as ourselves are riddled with histories that we don't know, and issues that we don't know. And I've been thinking a lot about our relationship with our friends who live on the streets. Some of them are our friends. And saying, how do we navigate those relationships? And, and the question, in a way, becomes that age-old question of every society. How much uh, do we place responsibility on an individual? It's an individual choice. You make choices. We make choices, some good, some bad. We take the consequences. And if we make bad choices, wind up on the street, tough. Bad decisions, we bear the consequences. That's individual responsibility. The other side is, what are, what are the limits of community? How much are we responsible for one another? Who is my neighbor, Lord? And suddenly we find that when it's not quite as simple as ruling people beyond the pale by, the, by their own behavior because of the complexities of life that lead us to find ourselves where we are. If we have never made a mistake ourselves, and if we've never felt that life has thrown us a curveball that has turned things upside down against our will, then we can be the ones to cast the first stone. But if we've ever experienced those things, then we know that how we wind up where we are is a very complex thing. Think of, I've been thinking about teachers. Think about a teacher who really wants to help a student who's struggling, who's not making the grade. And so the teacher helps and, he, and, and knows that, that that student's got a problem because they're from a poor background, a broken home, whatever the reason is, and says, I'm going to help the student. I'm going to mark them up a bit. Now, I'm not talking about those of you who went to law school who just got an increase in your grades. I'm talking about, <laughs> talking about a teacher who helps, tries to help a student by marking them up. And over time, this sort of helping isn't really helping. It's dysfunctional because the student who knows deep down I'm not cutting, the, I'm not making the grade here, that student starts to think, aha, and starts internalizing, without even knowing it, internalizing the message, I can beat the system. I can get around the rules. I can make things work for me. And so that dysfunctional helping leads to an internalized kind of negative idea of system beating. Um, and then you throw race into the picture. Or you throw wealth into the picture. And suddenly you've got a massively complex set of things going on that make it very difficult to know how do I love my neighbor as myself when what I'd really like, if I'm really honest, is a law that tells me how to do it. Some of us, most of us, I'd be, in fact, I, I suspect all of us have at one point or another been asked for money by someone who is looking for money on the streets. And there are a number of different responses. But gosh, I sometimes wind up feeling guilty if I do something and guilty if I don't. Feel guilty if I say no. I go away thinking, oh my God, I've just said no to Jesus. You know, <laughs> one of the least of these, and I have to sort through that. And sometimes I feel guilty if I say yes, because deep down I know I just said yes so I could get on with it in my life and get rid of the problem. Go away. 
And wouldn't it be nice, in fact, it's sometimes suggested here that we have a congregational policy as to how to respond to street people or a city policy. And, you know, that's a great idea. The problem is it won't work. It won't work to let us be free. It won't work to relieve those feelings. A law is not going to ultimately be our savior because Christ for freedom has set us free. And that means that in all of the relationships of our lives, not just the obviously difficult ones, but in all of them, we are constantly in need of confession, of working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, of seeking God's forgiveness, of remembering that we are not God and that we live by grace and that this is good news because it's all a consequence of our freedom. Because it means that if we cannot rule others out beyond the bounds, control their behavior, make them be the people we want them to be by our laws, then so no one can do that to us. Grace abounds. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We test all things. We hold fast to that which is good. What is good? The fruits of the Spirit that are made manifest when we love our neighbor as ourself. Let us respond to the gospel in silence and in prayer.